Thank you very much, Kevin. Um, well, yes, we're going to be continuing our studies in the Gospel according to Matthew. It's the first book in our New Testament. It's great to see you all this morning. Um, if you haven't been with us, that's not a problem. We are in Matthew 18 this morning, and I'm going to be reading from verse 10. If you have been, then you'll know that um, we've been following Jesus through his ministry, and at the moment he is around the shores of Galilee, and through his teachings um, we've been studying. So we'll start from verse 10 of Matthew chapter 18. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So, it is not the will of my Father, who is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Let's pray before we start this morning. Our Lord, dear God, and our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, Lord, and how we can open it this morning and, and read from it, Father. And today it is your truth, Lord. It is how you communicate with us. And we pray that we would hold it in this way and see it in the importance that it, that it has, Father, and the authority which it holds, Lord. And pray that you would give me the strength, Lord, and that you would speak through me, Father, for your word is, is living, Father, and I pray that it would speak to us this morning, that we would be learning from this and leading us in how to live a life which is glorifying to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for him, Father. Amen. Amen. So yes, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you'll know that in this point in Jesus' earthly ministry, he was in Capernaum. And Capernaum was just a small, a small village on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. This is not where Jesus grew up. Jesus grew up in Nazareth, which was just um, a short distance away from Capernaum. However, Jesus was rejected at Nazareth. Um, when he returned as an adult to the people who he grew up with, he was, he was not accepted and they didn't want anything to do with him. And so he would have spent a lot of his time in this place, Capernaum. Now, we don't have any record of the people in Capernaum being hostile to Jesus. It seems that although they weren't against him, you might say they weren't even for him, for they didn't seem, we don't have a record of them accepting the teachings of Jesus either. And this is quite a tragedy, it's, it's a real shame that, that the people of Capernaum were, they were indifferent, if you like, to the gospel of Christ. They heard it and he was in their midst and he was in the, the village with them for, for time and time again, but yet they didn't understand it, they didn't, it didn't go beyond their ears, they weren't listening to hear what he had to say. And so just before we start this morning, I would, I would encourage us all and every one of us to think about the fact that this is the word of God and as we read it we must think about these things and not just let them pass us by. For every time we read the word of God it is of utmost importance to our lives. For this is the way that God speaks to us. So this chapter, it starts, um, it all really flows from a question that the disciples asked. The disciples, in verse 1, were, they were discussing and they say, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, this is verse 1, 
Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now Ian spoke about this last week and it's it's, it's the, you can kind of sense that this, the disciples were they were maybe even discussing you know well I've I walked with Jesus up here and oh and Jesus spoke to me first when he did this and oh I've I was there I was there with him when he did this and he always calls me by this name and they were all you can tell they were arguing to try and see who was the greatest and Jesus completely flips this on its head he completely tells them that no what you're saying is not right. We see his answer in verse 2, and it's, it is a peculiar answer, but it's a wonderful answer. In verse 2 he says, And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them, and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, Ian explained this last week, but if you weren't here, this is a picture of the child being dependent on the parent. A child cannot... Um, cannot function, it cannot survive without its parents. It needs, uh, it needs to be fed, it needs to be protected, it needs to be looked after. And so the child understands that and he, he sees its need, or she sees its need for the parent. And the same is us when it comes to salvation. We can't get to heaven on our, by ourselves. We can't earn our way into the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying here is that we must become like a child. We must humble ourselves to understand that we need Christ. As a child needs his parents, so do we need Christ for salvation. And it's only in Christ that we can be saved. This is a wonderful thing. Um, and it's such a fantastic answer to the disciples' questions. And they must have been so perplexed at this point to hear that they had to become like children when they were trying to become great men. But then Jesus says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus continues this, this image of the children, of the child, and being humbled to come into the kingdom of heaven. And by the time we get down to our passage in verse 10, when Jesus says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, he is not here talking about the child, but he is now talking about what the child represents, which is the Christian. He's speaking about those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, those who have understood their need for salvation and who have come to Christ seeking to be saved. So let's look at that verse, verse number 10, the first one that we read. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. So that word despise, I think that's really the most important the most significant word for our understanding of this verse and it's, it's to, to look down on somebody to think of yourself as better than someone else and you know I just think it's such a fantastic answer to what the disciples were saying for they were all they were seeking to be better than each other they were trying to one up on each other and say who is the greatest whereas Jesus says do not despise one of these little ones he's saying that you must put everyone before yourself you must put everyone above yourself in the Christian's life we should have God as first and then everybody else and then us somewhere down the bottom and this is what Jesus is saying he says if you think of yourself as better than anyone else then you should not do that he says see, make, make yourself aware that you do not do this watch yourself that you don't fall into this trap I think there's also a significance to the fact that Jesus says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. And it's this one that it's, 
it's almost this is what this is a point that Jesus continues down the text. It's it's that God loves every single one of his children. There's not a single child that if we despise God will bat an eyelid and not notice it. There is a significance to God and a value to God to all of his children. And so if there is such a value, how foolish of it is us to despise one of his children. You know, you could imagine the metaphor of of being invited to a rich person's house and it's, it's a beautiful house and it has, has many rooms and, and it's been money, much money has been spent on decorating it and, and their most prized possession could be, could be this plate that they had above their mantelpiece. And now, um, you got invited round to this house and, and the first thing you did was you walked into that, that living room and you saw that plate and you took it and you threw it on the floor onto the concrete stool. And now the plate smashed and now you wouldn't do that because that is the most treasured possession to the owner of that house. The value that, that the owner of the plate put on that plate means that you would not even dare to touch it. And so it is the same with us and with our fellow believers, with fellow Christians, that we must not despise one another because of the value that God places on us. This is a great thing and we need to remember this. That every time we despise a Christian, God knows about it, and it does sadden the heart of God to see it. Now, Jesus continues this point of the love that the Father has for his children in the next verse. Or sorry, the second part of this verse. So we read there, For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Now, when I first read this, it, does, it seems quite confusing, it seems quite complicated, and I wonder if you feel the same. Um, you, you might wonder why Jesus is bringing angels into this when it was, we were talking about children a minute ago. Well, I would like to say that this means that God sends angels to work out and to serve for the sake of his children. In Hebrews chapter 1, you don't have to turn to it, but Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, we are told that angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. We already know that angels are, we, we know that angels are heavenly beings and um, we know that they are, they are of God and serve God, but then we are told here that they also serve the Christian. Angels have a purpose on earth being sent by God to earth to serve the Christian. Okay, so now we understand that it's why would Jesus why would Jesus say this here? Well, it's it's to the, it's to prove the point that this is the greatness of God's love that He would send even the angels to the earth. That God, in all His power and all His might, would care for us as individuals here, and would be willing to use His angels for our good as Christians. This is an amazing thing. An example of this um, I was thinking about is in Second Kings when Elisha is in that city and the king of Syria comes with his army during the night. Now Elisha's servant wakes up in the morning and he looks out um, out of the city wall and he sees the king of Syria with his army. And you can imagine the fear and how much he must have trembled seeing that and his heart must have just sunk within him. But he was sure that they would not be able to fight them. There was not many of them um, who would have fought against them. 
And so he says, he goes to Elisha and he says, he says, look at them, you know, there's so many of them and there's so few of us. And Elisha says to him, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And again, the servant must have been quite confused at this point because he could, he could count around the people who were with them and then he could look out and he could see everyone there. And he knew for sure that there were certainly more people with bows and arrows and swords than there was with them. But this was not what Elisha meant, obviously. And just after this, God opens the eyes of the servant. It says there. And it says that he then saw horses and chariots of fire. These, this was the army of our God. This was the army of the Lord that God had sent to serve for the sake of Elisha and his servants. And that must have brought so much peace, so much comfort, so much hope in a time where he was certain that he was going to die that day. When he saw the army of the Lord. And this is a picture that we have during our lives. These are real things. Angels are real beings and they do serve for our good by the grace of God. And let us not forget that. Let us understand the greatness of this thing that God would love us so much as to do this for us. For when we think of God, you know, I love the verse in the Psalm, Psalm 8 and verse 4, where it says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? And I think it's very true here, you know, the fact that God in all his power, in all his, in all his might, would, would love us and would give us and would care for us and care for us so much as to send angels for our sakes. This is an amazing thing. And you know, when you think of God and when you look out on creation, when you look on a starry night, say, and you see the stars. I did a spot of research this morning and I found that there are 100,000 million stars in our galaxy. Now, I don't know, but I find that is quite incredible. But then, it's not even just that, because there are a hundred billion galaxies, or more than a hundred billion galaxies, in our universe. And that makes me say, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? This is an incredible thing. That God would give us care, that God would love us, and that God would seek our good. You know, God knows us. God, it says in, um, in the Gospels that God knows every hair that is on your head. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what you went through last week. He knows every single thing you did. He knows every single thing you thought. There are seven billion people on this earth, but yet God knows you as an individual. And if you're a Christian, he loves you so much as to send these angels to work out for your good. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? So the whole purpose of what Jesus is saying here is to show God's love for his children. I think we can understand that. I think we can take that. And now Jesus goes into this parable. He says in verse 12, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it, more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. This is a this is a wonderful story. It's a it's a parable that Jesus gives. Now a parable is a 
an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Um, it is so we see there that there is a shepherd and he has a hundred sheep and the job of a shepherd it wasn't an easy job back then it was and I'm sure it's not now in case there's any shepherds here but it's not an easy job and they would have lived with the sheep they would have been out um, outside of the city and they would have been um, living and sleeping and eating with these sheep they were kind of they did smell and they were kind of outcasts of society because of that but we are told that this shepherd loves his sheep because he went away and got that sheep that went astray. For that sheep wandered and he, the shepherd could have said, oh well, it's only one. You know, he could have, he has 99. Really, the, the, the value of going to that effort, it's, it does seem, it almost seems not worth it on a human scale. But Jesus isn't just telling a story about some shepherd. He's, this is representative of God and the Christian. And it represents God's love for us. And so that shepherd went out and found that sheep. And he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. That is to show the greatness of the love that the shepherd had for this sheep. Now you might be thinking that you've heard this story in another gospel. That is because it's in um, Luke chapter 15 and I'm sure many of you will know that. Um, this is, it has a different meaning, I would believe, in Luke chapter 15. It's in a different context. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus is speaking to Pharisees and he is answering a question about sinners. In Luke chapter 15, the sheep are, are the lost sheep is the one who is not yet a Christian. And the shepherd is God. Whereas in this chapter, in Matthew chapter 18, we can see from the fact that Jesus is speaking about Christians and the fact that Jesus goes on in the next verses to speak about church discipline, that God is still the shepherd, but the sheep are all Christians. The sheep are those who know God and who have accepted Christ as their saviour. The little ones, if you like. And so here we have a picture of a sheep that has gone astray, representing a Christian who has drifted away from God. It's a fantastic picture, the sheep, actually. It's, um, it's great to do a study on something like this. For there are so much, There's so much in, in what a sheep represents and, what, um, and what, a sheep, what a sheep does. For you can look at a field of sheep and you see the chaos of it. And you can see one sheep and it will start to run and then another one. And, then, and before you know it, the whole flock's running around the field. And none of them really know why they're running or where they're going, but they're all just running. They're not intelligent animals. They are defenceless. Um, in the wilderness, um, they would definitely be defenceless with all the, the wild animals. They are completely dependent on the shepherd. One of the biggest dangers for a sheep is rolling on its back. When it rolls on its back, it, can't, it doesn't actually have the ability to get back up on its four legs. And obviously then it will, it will starve. Also, their, their wool will just continue to grow and grow and grow. To the point where they are so heavy and so so worn down that they won't be able to eat. Sheep need shepherds. And this is the point, or one of the points at least, that Jesus is making here. We need God. As humans, we need God. And I wonder where you see yourself in this story. For there are, there are the 99... 
And these are those who are with the shepherd. These are those who are at the shepherd's feet and being looked after by the shepherd and being cared for by the shepherd. These are those who the shepherd would, would lead out every day and, and they would wander with the shepherd and stay close to the shepherd. They would be dependent on the shepherd for all that they have and they would be seeking to follow the shepherd everywhere he goes. There's a psalm, Psalm 23. And there the psalmist writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That being that the Lord is my shepherd, I do not, I do not need anything else. This is, all, this is all I need. For when God is our shepherd, we could not need anything else. These sheep were satisfied. In fact, they were more than satisfied. The shepherd would provide everything they need for the sheep. There is no better place for the sheep to be than with the shepherd. And let us not forget this. If we can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let us draw near to the shepherd. Let us not go astray from the shepherd, but let us every day seek to come closer and closer to God and become closer and closer in our relationship to him. But it is only when we are in a relationship with God that we live as we ought to, that we live in the best way which God has intended us to. So let us seek to live in a close relationship with our Father. If we are Christians here, we have this privilege of being part of the fold, part of the flock. And let us daily, daily try and and be aware that we are seeking to be closer and closer to the Father, not letting our eye off the ball, if you like, and for it's so easy to be led astray. And this is what happened to this sheep. It was led astray. The, the actual Greek, when you look at that, it's, um, you can tell by the grammar that it was being led astray, this sheep. It, it didn't... It wasn't that it completely went off um, as a conscious decision, but that it was deceived, if you like. You know, you can see it in, in, um, the, pit, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and they were deceived by the serpent. And that led them into sin. And it's the same thing in our life. So often we fall into sin. And it's, it's very rarely a conscious decision to sin. It's still our fault. But often it is that we fall into sin. We drift away, if you like. You know, you can imagine the sheep walking off into the wilderness and, and it's just going for the next piece of grass and then the next piece of grass and before it knows it, it can't see the shepherd anymore and it's gone round the side of a hill and it's completely lost. And I asked this morning, and you will know yourself and really possibly no one else will know. You can, you can come to church and it can look... And you can, you can look fine and nobody can notice. But are you this lost sheep? Are you far away from God? Do you have a relationship with God? Could you call God your shepherd? Could you say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Or have you drifted from God? Are you like this sheep and are you far away from the fold? Let me tell you, brother or sister, it is by God's grace that he has made a way for you to come back. For to an extent we all do fall astray. First John says, 
First John chapter 1 and verse 9, and I love this verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The minute we confess our sins, not even the minute, sorry, the instant we confess our sins, we are forgiven if we are Christians. Now this is an amazing truth, it is, it really is, that as soon as you say to God and you confess your sins, because of what Christ has done, you can be forgiven. Now how does that work? How can God just forgive us? Well, it's because the punishment that we deserve for our sin, because every sin has a punishment and every sin has a debt which needs to be paid. God is a God of justice, but the punishment that we deserve for our sins has been paid for in Christ. And it has been paid for completely. And so God gives grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And I know this in my life, and I'm sure many of you do too. That although we sin and we sin, and although we can fall astray, and although we drift, the moment we confess our sins, as that shepherd went out, as that shepherd loved that sheep, and searched for it and found it, so God has made a way for us to come back to the fold. And if you are here this morning, and if you do feel like you are far away from God, then there is one way that you can come back to the fold, and that is in Christ. He is the only way that any of us enter the fold. And he is the only way that we can stay in the fold. This is the love that the shepherd had for the sheep. The picture of the shepherd going out and finding that sheep is a picture of God bringing us back. Is a picture of God's grace to reveal to us our sin and to give us a way of salvation. But I think there's a third position you can be in here and I think maybe you've never known God as your shepherd. Maybe like a, maybe you've never accepted Christ as your saviour. Maybe you've never been in this, this fold, this flock. And maybe you've heard about about the love of God the Father and you've heard about um, all that he's doing for his saints and you've heard about how that even when they go astray that he would still go out and save them and you've heard about this love, this amazing love a love which I could not explain in a way which is justifying to it and maybe you're interested now and maybe you're saying I don't think I've ever known this, this love I don't think I've ever been part of this part of this fold well you can be and it's it's by God's grace that you can be, for we are all sinners. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Just before we finish, I would like to read um, one verse. That verse is in John, John chapter 10 and verse 9. There Jesus is again speaking of himself as of God as a shepherd and as, as man as a sheep. And he speaks about the fact that this is where we need to be and this is where we should be. 
And we must know God as our shepherd. And in verse 9 there he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. You know, you think of a sheepfold and um, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of it in those days, but it would have been a wee stone wall. And inside that would have been where the sheep stayed and there wouldn't have been a door or a gate, but instead the shepherd would have slept there. And Jesus is saying that there is one way to get into the fold. There is one way that you can experience God as your shepherd. There is one way that you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There is one way that you can have your sins forgiven. There is one way that you can be righteous before God and live in a relationship with him as your father, which is the most amazing thing that could possibly happen to you this morning. And that is in Christ. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. Let's pray. Our Lord, dear God, and our Father and our Shepherd, we thank you that you, we can call you Father and we can call you our Shepherd. For we know that we are dependent on you. We know that you, we need you. We cannot survive without you. And we ask that you would keep us and look after us and care for us as we go through this world and as we even go into this week. And Lord, we pray that if anyone has gone astray, Lord, that as you have promised in your grace, you would bring them back. And that you would rejoice over them to see them back. And that we would seek the same as your will. And if anyone, Lord, if anyone does not know what it is to be part of this fold, if anyone has not yet joined this fold, if anyone does not yet know you as their shepherd and if they're not yet in the family of God if they do not live in this peace and this, in this joy and this eternal life Lord we pray that they would put their trust in Christ we pray that they would understand their need for a saviour and we pray that they would come to faith in you to have their sins forgiven and to be able to live in the greatness of the love that you have for us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.